I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Coding. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, you're listening to Fail Like an Artist with your hosts, Julie Battisti and me, Phoebe Ganza, a podcast discussing all the ways we've failed as artists with insight, advice and humour. Each episode, we will discuss a failure and what we've learnt from it. <sighs> hey, Phoebe, how are you? Hi, I'm good. I'm really good. <laughs> how are you? I'm in a bit of a funny mood today. Funny haha? No, not funny haha. I've been feeling a bit flat, like a bit. Oh. I think I had a funny day in the studio yesterday and I was really craving some extra time to fix a painting mm. and I didn't get it. Oh, that's frustrating. And then it's just been one of those long weekend days. And I think because my husband's on call next weekend, oh. some days I just think that both painting and parenting can be a bit lonely. And so I've been hanging yeah. out for our chat tonight and there was like a big period of time where I didn't think we'd managed to get all five of our kids <laughs> down at the same time. I know, collectively having five children, uh-huh, that is that's a lot of variables. <laughs> it, is, it is. But for now? Yeah. yeah. For now no, we're here I, and I'm uh, yeah, excited no. to be talking art with someone. Yay. No, me too. I had a funny day, a busy day. It, the, the morning felt incredibly long actually <laughs> with, with the kids and stuff because it was raining and oh. You know, but then um, I was painting in a like a pop up gallery in town, and I've never done that before, so that was quite a different experience. But it was quite fun. How did that go? Yeah, it was less awful than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> if I'm honest, I actually thought it was going to be quite um, like I didn't know if I actually would be able to paint at all. But they had me set up so that I was I had my back to the kind of space oh that's good so i and they had like some really nice live music in there that these two young guys singing so yeah i actually kind of could almost sort of zone out that there were people milling about yeah so it was it was i i kind of yeah it was far i'm far enough into this painting that i'm doing that i didn't need to kind of think too much you know you know is it does that make do you do that like we don't need to actually really think yeah you just start it just becomes yeah, yeah. I'm impressed that you did it's it. Nice. I don't know if I could do that. If I could have, I get funny when people watch me paint. Oh, I, I thought, well, I, you know, I was like, I've never done this before, so I, I don't know. I, don't, I felt like I did not achieve that much in four hours, but you know, I did do something, and it doesn't look too. I put it on my wall in my studio at home, and I looked at it, and I was like, am, am I going to paint over what I've done, <laughs> kind of thing? And then I was like, oh no, now I, you know, I feel like I've moved it forward a little bit. That's good. So that was good. Yeah. Tried something different. It's quite good to try new things. You know, I'm learning this. Yeah. <laughs> it was. So I felt like, yeah, um, I felt like it was, yeah, quite kind of get, got me in a bit of a peppy mood. And then I had a dinner, made a dinner that all my kids ate, which was God, that's quite, good. quite sort of rare. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, when they're all, you know. Strength to strength today. 
I know, and then now we're recording a podcast, so this one's going to be amazing. We're going to do this in one take, aren't we, Julie? One take, one take wonders. <laughs> That's this is this would be the first time, be a first time for that as well. <laughs> All right. So what what are we talking about today? Today we are talking about exhibitions. So mm, exhibition failures. <laughs> yes. <people>. Yeah. <laughs> and then the ones that have worked. Yeah, we've I've been thinking about this. It's been quite a nice thing to pontificate over it's interesting isn't it because i was reflecting back at things that i thought were really bad and then realizing actually there were good things that came out of them yeah so it's quite nice to be reflective and look back and kind of see things from a different perspective when you've had a bit of distance between them yeah i think distance does do the world a good like i look back at mine and i remember being so disappointed after the first couple of exhibitions i had and i look i i did i'm glad i've learned from them it took me a while i think to learn from them it's almost, yeah. it's, I think because art's so personal, when it doesn't go well, it's almost, it feels like such a personal like reflection on you. Like it. Yeah. I think the thing that I've really found is that, you know, when you've got these expectations of something and it, and it doesn't end up matching up with reality, it really hurts, doesn't it? And it causes quite a lot of disappointment and disappointment's a really horrible thing to deal with. Yeah. Like it's a re- it's a really funny emotion isn't it being disappointed i think that's it's only natural to kind of feel like a failure when that happens and i think also going in i know going in every time i hadn't expected my first couple of exhibitions to sell out but you go in wanting that well you want a few don't you you want a you want a good you want result. that you want to be that person that has that you know sold out first exhibition and my mm. first two were definitely not i remember trying to hide my disappointment at how few sales i had and trying to tell myself it's just the experience and but it, it is it's gut-wrenching and I actually think probably if you were starting out today it would be harder because there are so many people online sharing their mm. sell-out exhibitions which does oh yeah make it seem like that's the norm yeah and I think most people their first few exhibitions you know even if they sell a few works there are things that don't go right yeah. I don't think you can't nail everything the first time around it's that's the yeah, normal, you've got, you've, like that's you've got the normal cut, thing, not selling yeah. out. You have to kind of, yeah, cut your teeth, don't you? You don't. You, you have to have that first experience. <laughs> Let's dig a bit deeper into that, Julie. Talk to me about your first exhibition. How long ago was that and, and what, what, what was the failure? So ignoring, so I'm just going to ignore the last exhibition that I had at art school because that, to me that doesn't really count. It wasn't organised no. by me and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. All right, so my first exhibition was in, I think was in 2010. I'd have to go back and check. I'm really bad with dates. Um, And it was an exhibition after a really long break from painting and I hadn't really thought through the fact that um, no one really knew who I was as an artist, didn't really have Mm -hmm. an online presence. I think I was writing a blog at that stage and maybe had a Facebook page. But everyone that knew my work was someone that I knew. Oh, God, that exhibition was quite a few failures so I'd originally organized to exhibit at a gallery where a friend of mine worked and then maybe a month and a half out she messaged to say oh it's not going to work I can't give you the space and I was you know oh gosh how long have you been planning that oh it was I'd maybe been planning it for six months that's still quite a chunk of time yeah there was you know a lot of um four letter words going on that day in my house Mm. and then I'm really lucky that within a week another friend of mine said I've got these friends of mine they're running a gallery it's you know it was in a a central part of town but the gallery was upstairs so Mm. from the street so there was no no traffic no traffic and so everyone that came to the opening night were people that I knew which was fantastic and I it was one it was a gallery where you paid to rent the space for a week but I didn't have to pay commission so that was, okay. you know, for starting out, that was not a bad thing. Yeah. But I manned that exhibition for the rest of the week and I reckon maybe two or three people came through. Oh. So the opening night was good. Like I had a lot of my friends and family mm. come and support me. And then the other thing was that it was I maybe had 16 paintings and so they were all paintings of nudes and then I had oh, maybe 20 sketches um, and a lot of the sketches sold and maybe only two of the paintings sold. Oh, and I think, again, it's sort of that... When you're first starting out, a lot of the people that are going to come and support you are friends and family, and a lot of the sketches yeah. were probably at a better price point. So you walked away from there feeling sort of a bit regretful, perhaps, that you'd... Oh, the exhibition space is probably a bit wrong. Like, I didn't gain any exposure. Like, so nobody mm-hmm. who didn't already knew me discovered me. 
I had, oh, I also spent quite a lot on booze for the opening night. Mm. I reckon, I don't know if I covered my costs. Hoping to kind of make people a bit more, a bit more likely to buy something. (laughs) Oh dear. But it was, you know, I think more than it being a sales thing, that exhibition was me proving to myself that I could paint and put together an exhibition because I had not been painting for quite a long time. So I look back now and I think that was the, the starting, the the starting point to sort of me launching back into painting and so I don't regret mm. it but it was disappointing I was so I went away from that night I think actually doubting my painting ability a little bit thinking yeah should I be doing drawings um but it wasn't what I wanted to do so I, I persevered thankfully oh well done yeah it can really knock your confidence something like that and especially if you've sat in that space for a whole week and basically not seen a soul. <laughs> That's, oh, I can just imagine poor little 2010 Julie. <laughs> I want to go and visit your <laughs> exhibition. <laughs> I think the silly thing is, is my the second exhibition that I planned, which was my first big floral exhibition, it was, I think, a few years later. It also had a really bad foot traffic area. Like... <laughs> I think back now and I think actually and maybe even my third <laughs> exhibition. Oh dear. So how many have you done? How many have you done? Uh a few. Um maybe five solos. But that's that's a lot of work that goes into those. Yeah, and look they've all had they've all had their problems. Um I feel a bit more prepared these days around what I want to do and how I plan them and I'm a mm. lot more like I'm just about to start planning a solo show for twenty twenty four and I'm starting planning it now. So Oh, I need to get some tips from you then because I've got one coming up in 2024 <laughs> right, well, and I haven't started planning it. So. <laughs> well, let's talk about we can where get to we're that different. towards the end. <laughs> uh, this is why you have spreadsheets <laughs> and I just have my brain, which is also like an Etch-a-Sketch. Give it a shake. But also oh, how, how many again. solo shows have you had? Uh, I've only had one solo show. And I bet- I've had, I've done... A few group exhibitions. Yeah, I was thinking back and my first group exhibition where I was just with two other artists. That was a funny one. So I got a DM from a lovely lady who worked at a a gallery and framing shop in Silverdale in Auckland saying, you know, we're doing an an ocean-based, like, seascape-based exhibition and we've got two other lovely artists. But this is when I was doing my resin work. So they were seascapes. And they said, we love your work and we think it's lovely and it would look really good because it's really different from the other two people. Um, would you like to be involved? And I was like, oh, wow, you know, okay, yeah, sure. And um, so we kind of like booked it all in and it was all great. And then and then she said, oh, you're, you're in Wainui Gisborne, not Wainui Auckland. <laughs> There's two Wainuis. And the Wainui is quite like, it's actually kind of not that far from where they were but my winery is like a nine hour drive <laughs> um, but a plane ride an hour's plane ride and so I don't think it I, I think I got so excited I hadn't even I just thought oh, I'll have to buy a plane ticket and get up there and I hadn't you know this is typical me I hadn't actually thought about the, the, the logistics of getting getting there I just was like yeah I want to do it and my husband was very supportive and was like oh yeah you know we'll find a way and then and then so we had this conversation like via emails back and forth and then obviously realised like I'm in a different winery and I'm not just down the road. And then she, they were lovely. She was such a lovely lady. And she was like, well, look, we still want you to come and do it. You know, if, if you want to fly up here and stuff. And they had like a little Airbnb on, which is just down the road from the gallery. Oh, how sweet. Anyway, they were lovely and they said, yes, that's fine. And we'd love you to come and stuff. And so then I had to package all my paintings up, my pieces up, send them up and and um, it was lovely, and I met two other lovely artists, New Zealand artists. But it was funny, I think, because I wasn't local. <laughs> so the other two ladies were definitely local. And they had, like, we well, obviously there was an opening night, and um, they all had friends. And I had a lovely friend that I'd met online but never in person, a lovely lady called Rosie, Elemental Jewelry. It's her. I know Rosie. Yeah, well, I I actually, I have never met her, but she commissioned a work for oh, me, she's... and she's so sweet. She's so lovely and so clever. Her her jewellery is just to die for. Her gorgeous. I've got few... some of her earrings yeah. and I love them. Yeah, yeah, she's amazing. So um, she came like all the way from the other side of Auckland, drove, and she was like my one my one guest I knew, bless, which who had never actually met. 
Um, but I met in person that day. And it was lovely. Yeah, it was a really nice experience to do that. But it was probably, you know, financially not great. Um, I did sell a few of the works. Oh, that's good. I can't remember how many, but not, not, you know, I don't think it was like a roaring success. They did have to post back a few. Um, but I think but, having your first show without your friends and family there to sort of yeah, bolster you up, like that's I, quite I, was a, I had never left my daughter before. I can't remember. She might have only been about two or something. And it was the first time I was away from her. Um, yeah, for a night. I felt very like Carrie Bradshaw. <laughs> like, I'm on a plane by myself in the city. <laughs> like, it was quite funny. But then Silverdale, it actually isn't Auckland City, so I didn't go to Auckland, actually. <laughs> like, I didn't, I, I got, like, a bus, a bus to the <laughs> It wasn't quite, you know, the same, but... So then my second exhibition, that that, that, that was my first solo exhibition, that, <laughs> again, was not locally. <laughs> Me and you seem to have these reoccurring themes going on, where we do, like... <laughs> I was going to say earlier, unlike me, you probably won't make the same mistake twice. <laughs> no, I did make the same mistake. I made it twice. <laughs> I um, I this time was in a, a gallery in in Tauranga, and I, it was it's a, it was a solo show this time. So I said yes, you know, I want to do it, and I think I had to pay to hire out you know the time and stuff but I still had to give commission as well um but again I didn't I only knew like we know a couple two friends who live in Tauranga but no one else so um we went and stayed with them and drove the car up which was absolutely packed with three children and lots of our <laughs> luckily we had quite a big boot got there and then we I hung the show with with the gallery owner this was my abstract landscape work hung all the show and then the next day was the opening night type thing but again because I only knew a couple of people and I kind of I don't know whether it was my mistake on my part but I sort of thought that because I'd never done this really before by myself I sort of thought that the owner of the gallery would invite lots of people and she said I think she said that she had emailed out to people and stuff but anyway it wasn't entirely busy <laughs> I think my husband had invited a work colleague of his that happened to live there she came along which was lovely you know and a few people popped in off the street and stuff but again I'd gone out and I'd bought like you know four bottles of wine and platters of cheese and crackers and I mean, there was lots of glasses ready for people for all the people <laughs> and you just you just feel like just quite oh. You just want to shrink down, don't you? I know. Sort of hide in the corner when there's just not loads of people. I don't know. I had in my head that it was going to be like bustling with people and, you know, we'd be walking around and like handing out drinks and and it wasn't that, you know? Yeah. And I didn't sell anything on that opening night and I did sell a few things during the, the rest of the time the exhibition was up, um, but maybe not as many as I hoped. Um all right, so we've both had um, interesting first exhibition quirks. And I haven't really gone back since. I put pieces in local, uh, local. we have like a artist society exhibition that happens every year. But yeah, apart from that, I've done an art show. Um, I don't know if that counts. Does, does that count? Yeah, I actually think group shows and art shows are really good ways of starting. Um, I know we, we should be talking about failures for a bit longer, but just in case I forget to say it later... Um, one thing I've sort of learnt that some of my galleries do, which I think is really smart and something that they sort of advise their um, their artists about, is that start by doing quite a few group shows, get your name out there, build up some yeah. clients and then have your solo show. So what I've done in the past before talking to some galleries and learning that vital piece of information was to just launch straight into um, a solo show before I'd built up yeah. a collector That's exactly base. what I did. Yeah. <laughs> you know two feet first yeah <laughs> but that's you know never... some people are just like that that way inclined though aren't they I, me and you yeah <laughs> I do tend to just jump straight in and then I'm sort of like I'll either figure out how to swim or 
(laughs) flail around like one of those kids doing doggy paddle (laughs) oh you're flailing i'm sinking okay (laughs) (laughs) i just gave up straight away (laughs) you need to get back in that pool baby okay no take the lead belt off all right (laughs) um okay so yeah my so I talk a little bit about my my the the group the art fair that I did. Then. I'm really I, I'm really interested to hear about the art fair because I've actually never done a fair and I know no, nothing. But a lot of the comments that came through from the listeners about exhibitions were about art fairs, and so I, the more I hear about them, the more I think there's they like an entity unto themselves. Yeah, they're definitely very different. Um, yeah, so I was really flattered to be asked to to take part in art in the park in Auckland in 2021, and that was the first time that it had been held so it it was a big it's a big art show in Eden Park in Auckland which is a rugby ground is it don't Eden Park I I think so so there was a hundred artists so but again it was in Auckland so I had to get all my work up there which was not cheap you know with the career and the sizes of the work that I had to do and stuff so I got all my work up there um and they encourage you to you know do quite a more more than you would need in the space um, because you have a de- designated space. Can't remember exactly, but say like one point five, you know, by then the sides come out, so fifty and fifty sticking out either side or something like that. Can't, I can't remember exactly, but you know, you could kind of work out how many pieces to fit up. But then they said, look, there's loads of storage space, so bring as much as you want. And um, you know, if it sells, people just take it straight away because it's that's the nature of the show. They they literally take it and walk. So you've got going to have a space if you sell something so you want to be able to go down and pull something out of the storage space so then I obviously sent you know quite a bit of work to make sure I covered that and then my husband and the kids they wanted to come and see so we all flew up when I got there my my husband was with the kids so we kind of we kind of combined it as like a family holiday because the kids are really excited about going to Auckland because where we live is there's not much going on compared to Auckland it's a big city and there's like a zoo and museums and all of that so they were really excited because they got to go and do like a family holiday type thing so that's what my husband did and I went and did the show and um, I was very lucky that a friend of mine that I met online another lovely online friend uh, Helen Dean who's an abstract painter who lives in Auckland uh, again you must check her out we'll put her in the show notes so my lovely friend Helen reached out and said to me would I like any help with any of it and uh, with the setting up of the show and you know it's really hard to accept help especially from someone you've never met before but she was so genuine about it and she said look um because I was like oh you know it's a big ask and you know you live on the other side of town and but she was like I've never done anything like that before and I would really love the experience to kind of see what it's like so I felt then like oh when I'm giving something back it's not just me asking for help like because she genuinely wants to that's you know, really smart. Like, yeah. So, um, but oh my gosh, I could like not have done it without her help. It was such a mission. And I was just like, uh, imagine if I was trying to do this by myself, it would have been so hard just to like even decide on what paintings to put up because I had, you know, three times the amount of paintings for the space. Um, so just having another pair of eyes to be like, help you with the, with the, you know, choosing what you wanted the first time for that first initial bit when it opens and like the hanging of them and getting them straight and all of that like it was yeah it would have been so hard without her so yeah so this but she couldn't help me beyond that she you know she was like I really I'm really sorry but I can't come and help you again and I'm like oh that's fine that's fine don't worry I, you know I'm fine now I've done this part this is the hardest part um then the next day um was the proper you know thing and it was I think from like nine till five or something like that. It was like a long day anyway. I can't really remember the exact time. And oh my gosh, it was so busy. It it was like a manic people just like pouring in. And this is like, um, I think this was after the second lockdown that we had. So, um, you know, people had been kind of isolated and trapped and, we haven't really done much, you know, socialising or seeing people or anything like that. And then all of a sudden you're in this room, like, you know, packed. It was, you know, there wasn't that much space between the booths. Like mm. you're opposite someone. It felt quite enclosed. 
and it was just people, 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 people. A few hours in, I th- I think the lady, the organizer, Kerry, came past and sort of saw saw me, and I must have looked like I don't know, <laughs> like I was going a bit mental, but like panicked or something. And she came over and was like, "Are you all right?" You know, and I think I like nearly burst into tears and. She sort of was like, do you need a break? Have you had a break? Have you got anyone helping you? And I was like, no, I don't have anyone helping me. And I haven't done the toilet yet. And I haven't had anything to eat since like seven o'clock. And she was like, right, I'm going to find someone. Um, and she got one of the helpers, you know, that there was people walking around with white gloves on to like take the art to the pay stations for, for you. So she grabbed one of those people and they got them to come to my store and, and like sort of told me, go and sit down and have something to eat and have a hot co- coffee and then come back in you know, 10, 15 minutes. Well, and I was nice. like, yeah, it was so lovely. Like she just, I think she just saw like I was like not. That's so lovely. That's very such well. a personal touch for such a big exhibition. Oh, I know. But I really think I might have been one of the only people that didn't have someone. Everyone else had like their wife or husband or partner or friend. Had you spoken and to I... anyone that had done it? Um... Well, I had in the sense that like, I think I'd, uh, I had friends that were there too, who photographers, Runa and Holly, and they had come up from Gisborne separately to me. And they had done something similar before. But they uh, do it together. They are a, like a couple, uh, you know. There's two of them. There's two of them in their kind of... I think that's how I discovered them, actually. You tagged them. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. oh, they do such beautiful photography. They do. So one's a photographer, one's a florist. And they were there. But I don't really know... I think I had thought, like, I need to ask. But you know what? Like, no one's going to fly with me to Auckland. Like, I almost came up. You almost came up. And then but, I... like, not, like, yeah, it's a big ask. Yeah, I think. Do you know what I mean? And I was going with my family, so then what? Yeah. <laughs> like, Hi, do you want to come on holiday with my family and help me for a day? But you have to sleep on a sofa in the Airbnb. Like, that's not really going to work, is it? Um. If you were doing anyway, it again and you needed help, I'd come up. If I was doing it again, I wouldn't bring the family. As much as I, I needed my husband there, like, for that first time. Because I, the closer it got to the date, the more panicked I felt about it. And being someone with, with who gets anxiety and who's had panic attacks and stuff before, um, I had them absolutely no way of visualising what this event would be like. I had nothing. Mm. I had no benchmark. I... I couldn't even find like images of what it would be like really to kind of imagine, you know? And so I was anxious that it would be really, really hard, harder than I could possibly imagine. And then when I got there, I sort of realized everybody else has got a helper and I don't. And that panicked me a bit, you know? The the fact I didn't have helper was just... it. I don't know, it just made me go like, oh, God, I'm missing I'm doing it wrong. Yeah, and then I realised, like, oh, I can't actually go to the toilet or have something to eat or, like, all of that. And then it was just me. Like, everybody else had someone to talk to if there was no one looking at their stool, their their partner or mm. whatever. And I just had to stand there like Billy No Mates going, I haven't got any friends, no one's here. There's loads of people at the one next door to me. He's sold a million pieces and I've sold... No, one um but it picked up and I did sell things and everybody was so lovely and I remember like I think you know other artists in the end noticed that I didn't have people and then they but I just didn't want to ask you know but then they offered like oh my husband's here with me I'll just look after just all you go to the toilet like everyone was lovely That's by so the nice. end I had I had made loads of friends but that first initial day when I felt like I didn't know anyone I'd only just met them all I felt just like so it just made me feel like I was back at first day of school you know <laughs> um was it quite so, so apart from I get that that whole experience would have just been really overwhelming but was mm. like I'm just thinking about all the people there was that quite a good event in terms of exposure for you oh, in terms of it getting... was yeah it was really great yeah and um yeah, I definitely financially was really worth it. I'd sold a lot of pieces. But again, I hadn't thought I hadn't really thought through the end, as in not selling every single piece. So I did have leftover pieces. Not many, mm. but enough that basically on the pack down, they wanted everything gone. 
you know, the show finished at like, say, five on the Sunday. They wanted everything gone by like 7 p.m. And we we had like hired this tiny little cheap car. And then I had to Uber the paintings that hadn't sold back <laughs> to the place that we were staying. But then we realized, like, I was like, what? We're flying back. What are we? So I had to then take the packaging with me, repackage the paintings. And honestly, I do not know how we got back in that car and got to the airport. I ended up checking the last paintings as excess luggage. But we, I was like contorted in the back seat with a painting over my head and two of the smallest children next to me either side with my son in the front seat with another painting balanced over his head with all, you know, because we had luggage and everything like that. And it was a very uncomfortable hour-long car journey to the airport. <laughs> I can tell you that for free. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, you know, I, ha- I was just thinking, imagine if I hadn't sold that l- other pay- I think I might have just thrown in a skip. <laughs> but, I mean, even so, you, you know, you, you've said that you did sell quite a few. Imagine if you hadn't yeah. and then you have to ship all that work right. back home. Honestly, there would have been a skip with a lot of art in it. <laughs> so, I think I would have just been like, I'm done. Oh, <laughs> Free no, art. Lord. Yeah, so I hadn't really, again, thought it through. I don't know. I thought that's future me's problem and not one I need to dwell on. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a sort of motto that I live by. But future you was only two days after. (laughs) Future me actually turned up quite quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that was my experience. I mean, it was great. It was equally difficult and stressful and daunting and brilliant I made some lovely friends who you know I still keep in touch with I made a lot of sales so financially it was a success which it could easily have not been and I know that there were people there who didn't make as many sales and for them it was really disappointing so whether I was just lucky or like I don't know you know and just because it's I, so hard to yeah I'm not 100% sure you do normally have to pay a fee to be invo- to be included in the yeah. fares don't you yeah so there's yeah. quite a few upfront costs that you've yeah it wasn't a huge amount um and they didn't take uh they didn't take as much commission I think it was only like 25% so that's, that's yeah. not bad especially if it you wasn't were... too bad and for people that lived in Auckland, it would have been fantastic because I know people who, um, you know, live around the corner and could just mm. drive home or get their husband or whatever to drive back home, grab some more paintings, bring them over. So for them, barely any costs, fantastic. For me, you know, five flights, <laughs> five, four nights accommodation, trip to the zoo, trip to the museum, <laughs> very many ice creams and meals. You know, we had to, we had to tell ourselves we're having a family holiday separate the costs mum's not in any of the photos (laughs) the kids can't remember that they're like we went to the zoo mum do you remember it was amazing I was like I wasn't there (laughs) wasn't there (laughs) I was paying for the zoo busy making money (laughs) that's kind of nice like when you're the breadwinner for the for the family holiday exactly it was great yeah and next time like I said next time if I did it again I would go by myself having a prior knowledge of what Mm. that I can do it and you know I don't actually need you know I needed my husband so that I could go back at the end of the day and just like have a hug and cry because it was hard I remember Um, seeing pictures you'd posted some stories at the end of that art fair about how exhausted you were I I have never apart from after I've had a baby been that exhausted (laughs) That's, that's all I can compare it to. It's a pretty recent comparison to me. It changes what I think I about mean, outfits. The baby was definitely worse. Like the exhaustion after the baby was definitely worse. But I couldn't think. I can't think. Of, oh, oh, sorry. I tell a lie. I climbed Mount Snowdon. <laughs> that was definitely worse. <laughs> With no training, um, it was really, really, really exhausting. Just mentally, physically, oh, emotionally. I mean, there was, I think, thousands of people that went through wow. and just talking to that many people, the same thing really as well, mm. trying to make it sound like it's the first time you've said it. 
Oh, I love to paint in layers. And yeah, I use a lot of them. I'm quite intuitive about <laughs> And by the end, you're like, yeah, I painted it. <laughs> I think especially when you're sort of used to either just being around your family or on your own in the studio all day. Oh, gosh, yeah. I, I mean, um... it's about as extreme as you can get, isn't it, yeah. really? That sort of experience from your normal life. Yeah. Yeah, I always find... Do you think so... you'll ever do one? Pardon? Do you think you'll ever do I don't one, know that I haven't. Really... I'd get together enough work for an art fair because it takes me so long to create something mm. to have that many pieces to go up just for a weekend and come Yeah. Back. I mean, there were people that only had, like, two paintings. Okay. Even this year, there, I think there was someone who only had one painting, but, I mean, it was a very expensive painting and quite big, but that's all they, they had that. And then I think it just sold and they left it up with this old dot and went home. <laughs> nice. So I, you can you know do what? it in I a different way, you know? It's funny. I think it's the fear of the unknown. It's not a world I've ever, I've never even been to an art fair. So I think it just kind of terrifies me a bit. I was invited yeah. to go with one of my galleries this year, but I didn't have enough work planned. I think that's like, again, I need to start planning these things in. Because I'm, I'm never but, planning for them. I never have enough work. And people only ever let you know like six months in advance. Do you want to be part of mm. this exhibition or art fair? And I'm always like, mm. oh, I've, I don't, I don't yeah. have enough time to put together enough work to make it worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be, it's got to be worthwhile for you. And if you've already got enough things going on, then you probably don't need to. But that, I think for other people, perhaps if you're starting out, I would... I would suggest that doing something like this probably is a better route into it than doing a solo show. I think um, so we had lots of people write in though, so I, I'm just having yeah. a look through the notes. There's probably, I think there's maybe six different people that had comments about um, art markets and art fairs and a lot of them were saying they came back without having selling, sold any or that they went, they went and it was the wrong sort of people for their work. So I think definitely do your research beforehand, see if you can contact people that have been in that show before. I know it's really hard to reach out and talk to people that you don't know, but doing that pre-work I think is really important, especially if you're going to outlay funds and your time. I think spending a weekend on your own at an art fair or even with a buddy, like that's a lot of time that's spent somewhere if it isn't the right crowd for you. I think the same goes for doing an exhibition oh, too, gotcha. though. Yeah. You know, like, I think you could be, say, you paint, like, chickens. I don't, like, I'm just pulling something out of the air. Say, say you're, you love chickens, right? And you paint chickens. You just, that's, that's your thing, right? And then you get a gallery say, oh, you know, there's a space for an exhibition here. But it's like in a beachside town, you know, and, you go along and you hang all your chicken paintings up and nobody buys any of your chicken paintings. You're going to walk away from that thinking, oh, you know, my work's rubbish. Nobody likes it. I should not paint another chicken. But if you had perhaps found a gallery in a more rural area where there were more farmers, you know, you might have sold out. You might not have any chicken paintings left at the end of it. <laughs> wondering if you were going to bring that in you lived in a more chickeny area <laughs> i had a plan <laughs> i don't know if it worked but you know what um, as, as you know a what real I mean? life example my second floral show um was in quite a small town and i had just um i didn't really think about any of that mm. and i'd painted peonies and a few other flowers and a lot of the comments that I got after the exhibition were, why did you paint peonies? Why didn't you paint some native flowers? Or Exactly. And I, like, That's the thing. And then when I was in Melbourne, everyone was just peony mad. And it was I'd never had anyone say, why would you paint peonies to me before? I was a bit thrown yeah. by that. And then yeah. I was sort of like, oh, I hadn't, I didn't really think about this, like think about. And I've always said I don't want people to drive what I paint, but it was sort no. of like I probably shouldn't have chosen that gallery. Well, it just, it depends on it because there are areas, you know, where people are like madly passionate about native flora and fauna perhaps. And if you are coming in with your non-native paintings, it might just be the wrong eyes that you've got it in front of and you need to get to a, a bigger city 
where there's a you know much more sort of diverse client base that are going to be interested in peonies um yours is a better thing than my chicken story <laughs> like the chicken story but you know i was trying to break it down to something really simple <laughs> but you know what i mean it's just i think if you don't think about that if you're not think, i mean you want to not change your paintings it's much yeah. better for you to change the the destination of where your gallery or your show is then then change what you're painting Okay, so Julie, t- tell me, when you are thinking about having an exhibition, is that something that you seek out or are you usually approached by a gallery first and they ask you, how does it work? So the first few times that I had my own exhibitions, um, I 100% see- sought out those galleries um, and actually still even now, so the, the exhibition that I'm about to start planning for 2024 I rang my gallery to talk to them about that. And they said, oh, we've been thinking about you for this as well, which was kind of nice. But Oh, that's good, yeah. And I've had one gallery approach me about an exhibition that I did. But I think sometimes people sit back and wait for the exhibition opportunities to come to them. And it is it is something that I've always had to sort of seek out. But these days I've been I've learnt to sort of talk to the galleries a little bit more in terms of when they think it would be suitable for timing you know, for getting the right amount of collectors and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Yeah, I think you are in that position now a little bit further ahead than me where you've already got those relationships with the gallery. So you've got your work in there. They know who you are. They know your work is sells well, etc. When you were starting out, was that the case? Did you kind of, you know, go to a gallery that you'd never had any work in before and just say, hey, do you, can I have an exhibition? Or Yeah, so my first floral exhibition, I'd been to that gallery because my old art teacher actually had an exhibition there and went in and thought, oh, okay. this is a nice space. Um, quite liked how they'd um, curated the work and all that sort of stuff and started speaking to them then. I think it was also, it was it was still fairly fresh into my, I guess, re-emergence back into painting. Oh, that still... Mm fairly early on in my um, painting career Um, and it seemed like a good place to start. To be honest, I probably should have thought about it a little bit more in terms of the location Mm. of the gallery and all that sort of stuff. But I think I just wanted to have a deadline. I wanted to have an exhibition and have a reason why I had to get work done, I think, because I wasn't doing it full time then. I almost needed something to work towards. Yeah. Yeah, that is a good um way to really focus and kind of get a body of work together to have that end reason so when I first started with one of the galleries that I'm working with now I went in there feeling a little bit bullshit I guess because I was like oh they wanted to represent me and I spoke to them pretty early on about I said oh I'd be really interested in the next year or so of doing a solo exhibition and they said oh look we don't usually do exhibitions with our new artists until they've had a few years to build up some collectors and that's the, mm. that was the first time I don't know why it was the first time I've ever heard of that happening because it's such a sensible idea and I was yeah. like oh okay that's how that works yeah and that makes total sense and I think that's why you know I didn't perhaps sell as much in the gallery in Tauranga that um yeah that was a funny situation I think that they had had someone pull out and I saw on their social media um, a post because I was thinking about this and I was trying to remember how the, the whole situation happened. And I think that they had put a post up with like, we have a space available for an exhibition at these dates, you know, which was in the future um, due to unforeseen circumstances or something. Some, you know, it's the position of uh, the uh, availability of having a solo show is these dates. If anybody is interested please send an email to blah, blah, blah. So I saw that and thought, oh, yeah, you know, that sounds good. Um, and I and knew we had friends in Tauranga, and so I thought, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll apply. And then, and that's when that sort of all transpired. So it was, it was a, it wasn't like I'd sought out the gallery and it wasn't like they'd sought out me. It was more of a sort of one-off, quite unique situation. The opportunity presented itself and you thought, oh, why not? Like, I'll give it a... Yeah, so that was a kind of one-off, kind of unique situation, I guess. And in hindsight, 
probably didn't serve me as well as if I had already had a relationship with that gallery and had people buying my work there and knowing who I was, etc. And I think because I'd had, there was a bit of a probably f slightly, there was probably quite a higher uh, expectation from the gallery owner's perspective because I had at that stage, I think like 50,000 followers on Instagram. And I think that they probably thought, oh, that must equate to this person. Everybody knows, you know, lots of people know her. Um, that's not necessarily the case because at that stage, I think only about 5% of my followers were from New Zealand. Uh, so, yeah. Um, and then the one in Silverdale was, that was an accident. Obviously, they just thought I was local and I wasn't local. Uh, and then since then, I've just done group shows locally. Um, one thing I would the one, say, though, sorry. even those early exhibitions when they don't work out, and this happened, I mean, this is something that I've found, is you never know when's going to sow a seed of interest for someone. So people yeah. that come along to your early shows, I found that sometimes many years later, like five or six years later, I've then got a commission from someone that went to an early show. Mm. And so at the moment, I've just the commission that I'm just about to start, which is a huge floral, and I'm super excited for it, is someone that went to an exhibition of mine in 2010. Wow. So you really made an impression. So, I mean, and it's just, I think it's that whole price space availability. Yeah. So it does take time, yeah. I think, sometimes. And so even when things haven't gone particularly well, you never know what that outcome is down the track. Oh, yeah, exactly. But we had one of our listeners write in talking about the fact that she'd set up, she thought this was a really smart idea. She set up an exhibition space in a vaccination centre, like down the hallways, and she said she didn't sell anything, but apparently all the doctors and nurses enjoyed having her art up there. And I said to her, oh, it's probably, do you know what, you never know mm. when that's going to spark that little. Exactly. Yeah, I think I had a piece up in a midwife, um, uh, mid, what's it called? Mid midwifery. Midwifery, yeah. yeah, once. And, yeah, and I have loaned pieces to friends of Airbnbs that want to have you know, piece of art up for a while, Same. you know, and then I rotate it. And, you know, so there's lots of ways, you know, hospitals, children's wards, you know, anything where you've, if you've got a bit of surplus art and you're thinking you want to make a kind of impression locally um, and just get your name out there before you're ready to leap into something bigger like a solo show. It's all about that kind of like exposure of, you know, those kinds of places. You might not be necessarily, you know, it might not be really a, a place where people particularly are expecting to sort of buy art or see art, but you're it's sort of going into someone's subconscious, and they're and they're not necessarily aware, but they're then familiar when they see your art somewhere else. Like I've seen that something like that before, and then that gives a sense of a connection. Like you're just laying a little kind of trail of breadcrumbs throughout your town by kind of sprinkling your art into different places. So that it can work well. So you're preparing, you're, you're about to start preparing for a show in Feb 2024, Phoebe. How did that come about? We have a, we have a museum, um, Tairafiti Museum locally, which has areas um, designated to, you know, local artifacts and things like that. Um, rotating shows about um, part, you know, history of New Zealand, things like that. Uh, but it also has gallery spaces there. And so those rotate with artists um either from outside of Gisborne Tairafati uh or local people and yeah you just need to I, I just had to approach the curator of that and and she said to me um yeah there's this form and you can fill it out and you can send some images and she did say you know just to warn you there's a sort of two-year waiting list for that um but you know send some images and I'll put them to the board and we'll see whether or not you are someone that we'd like to have, you know, on display. So they don't sort of just let any old person go and do it. But I had, I have taken part in, I think I said previously, um, every year there's an annual local uh, artist society show that goes up for, and I think that's up for like a month and you can sort of submit, say, two to three pieces in that. Uh, and that's quite nice. That's ceramics. 
and paintings photography things like you know there's lots of different it's a really nice show and that again is curate curated by somebody and usually a local artist that's not taking part in the event and so yeah i'd sent some work some images and kind of outlined what i wanted to do my show on they got back to me and said yeah we're this is these are the dates they gave me a couple of slots uh so i picked the february one um yeah it's quite exciting it's quite a big space that i've got available to fill i know and i have because that was uh probably nine months ago now that they gave me that space i parked that as like i'm not going to think about that for the rest of this year i'll think about that for next year so then that'll give me a whole year to plan but i didn't really want to do two years of planning for it but yeah, that that's felt fair like enough. a bit too long yeah so that's going to be quite exciting because that's my first local kind of solo show yeah um so will you have to create exclusively for that show over next year or will you be doing that plus some other stuff oh no i can't like not do anything else because yeah. need to because that's one thing i course. find that people sometimes don't take into consideration that so when I've done shows, usually it takes me no oh, nine to twelve months to get enough work together for a show, and that's a long time not to be getting a lot of money in. I think I'm trying to be really realistic and think that you, you know I'm not expecting a sellout show, really, um, just because of the, the nature of the place I live and having been to other exhibitions in the past and seen you know the types of work that sells and the price point. And um, I don't think I've been to many where they, they all sell, uh, you know, it's just... Oh, it sounds like you've done your research though. I, I kind of am prepared that like, it would be lovely if I sold a few of the pieces, but I'm not going to rest all my hopes and dreams and financial security on that. Uh, if, you know, I have this body of work, then after that I can sell them on my website or wherever. So I'm going to try and be quite strategic and and try to paint like one painting a month um, and then and do probably smaller work throughout the rest of the year that I can sell to people and clone myself, especially in a, a machine that I'm building. Oh, I'll take purpose. two, thanks. Okay, cool. Yeah, um, I'll put a link in the show note to... To that that'll be a side project <laughs> for my cloning machine <laughs> no i actually am slightly panicking i'm thinking maybe it will just be a show of tiny paintings <laughs> on really big walls <laughs> it's like really fancy food on really big plates <laughs> yeah yeah massive canvas tiny like magnifying glass to see the art <laughs> in the middle <laughs> i don't know uh i work well under pressure so that does seem to be my special talent. Awesome. <laughs> uh, watch this space. I think we'll probably have quite a few podcast episodes <laughs> towards you. <laughs> have you thought about creating a spreadsheet? <laughs> uh, now you mention it, I haven't, but um, it might be it might be a good idea. Hey, Julie. You know, I love a spreadsheet. I think I probably should do a spreadsheet. Probably should do a spreadsheet. Even just a whiteboard. <sighs> I think what that sounds like a good idea. A I think that might be a bit more visual. Yeah. I, you know, once I've got a bit of a problem with object permanence with ADHD, which means like when something isn't visible to you, it literally disappears yeah. from your mind. So I um, use both. I've got a bit, I've got a whiteboard in my studio. In my studio, sound very Australian. And in my studio, in- <laughs> got a whiteboard in my studio, mate. Got a glar on top of it. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'm not even going to try doing an English accent because that would just be embarrassing to both of us. Um, and then I also have the spreadsheet that I update. Yeah. Can I send you? Can you do a spreadsheet for me? Yeah. Can you do a spreadsheet for me? Yeah, anytime. I'm going to get myself a whiteboard for Christmas. Yeah. So we had one um, listener write in and tell us, I'm about to have an exhibition and I'm shit scared that no one will show up. Um, mm. And to that, I would say make sure you invite your friends and ask people to help, like especially after hearing Phoebe talk about how she didn't ask for more help earlier on with her mm. art fair. By not asking for help, sometimes you're actually depriving someone of that 
possibility yeah, of, of exactly. I don't know, getting something out of that as well. And I think about yeah. your friend Helen and how smart she was to go along and help you and get that experience. Um, yeah, exactly. I think it's it's a two way street, and you know, it's like the worst that someone can do is say no, I'm busy, I can't come. Exactly. But you know, like to ask for help, people love feeling helpful. It's like a really great feeling when you can help someone out. Yeah. It is un- it is uncomfortable if you're not used to being someone that asks for help. But, you know, unless you're the sort of person that doesn't like ever helping anyone else, why would so- why would someone else not want to help you? Exactly. You know? I think you just need to put the... F- I mean, assuming it's a local show and, you, you know, it's going to be where you know people, um, just put the, you know the word out and tell everybody I really need support with this I would love you to come along there's going to be you know drinks and nibbles um please can you come you know even if you can just pop down for 20 minutes you know I I love it I love it when I, there's an open what's it called an opening night or yeah a- enjoy it and celebrate the fact that you've got it together not necessarily celebrate the fact that you've made sales or not like make sure you no. um acknowledge how much work you've put in. Like that's, I think, just as important yeah. as whether or not it sells out, even though often the, the sales part is a bit that we tend to mm. focus on. I don't think it should be always about that. No, definitely not. I think on that first opening night, especially if it's one of your first exhibitions, don't worry about red dots. You know, that's that, that will happen over the course of time. Don't focus on red dots. Just focus on celebrating your achievement of getting all that work on the walls yeah, with your they're, friends. they're an family. added bonus if it happens. I think, you know, the exhibition, I mean, exhibitions are really tough. I think the first thing I want to get across, and hopefully that us telling our stories has helped. <laughs> I hope people are just like really put off now, sorry. No, I, I just, I, to be honest, I just want to normalise the fact that it is normal and so many people have had really horrible first exhibition um, experiences and that that is, a f- I think the norm, most of the people that I talk to talk about their first exhibitions, but it does get better and you persevere. I mean, I had a few doozies. I mean, I had one um, where the gallery got all of the information wrong about me, like they were talking about it as mm-hmm. though it was my first exhibition and it really wasn't. Oh. Um, and I remember thinking, oh, this gallery hasn't, they don't care, they didn't really want me here. Um, that's that's annoying when they haven't actually done and so like any research on you but one of the things that I've learned from that is that I'm really picky about who I want to exhibit with and who I want to put my work with as a gallery now so I always I won't put my work with a gallery if I haven't been in to meet that gallery meet the people that work there get to know them Mm. and when I was looking for galleries in Melbourne for example I'd been working with a mentor Willie Russo and I asked her to go in and check out the gallery and see how they spoke about their artists and was really impressed with what she came back with Mm. so because I couldn't do it myself I asked someone who I trusted to see if they could scrape something out for me so there's stuff that I've learned from all of those things going wrong and my last exhibition which I'm really proud of was with Gallery De Novo and literally two days before the exhibition was supposed to open we went into a lockdown (gasps) yeah that's right yeah but the gallery was amazing they did such a great pivot they put all of my work into the windows called it a pavement exhibition so that people could see it as they walked past and I I remember thinking I was so gutted when the lockdown was announced and I was so stoked with how it all turned out. And it was, to be honest, if anything, the exposure was potentially better than had I had a standard exhibition. Because because everybody was just walking past all the time, not going to work, (laughs) just going for walks. Yeah, and it looked so lovely in the windows at night. I had a friend go in and take some nighttime photos of the exhibition and it was fantastic. Um, So that was a real nice failure turned into good outcome yeah I think it's hard it's I think it's hard because art's like one of the only jobs where it's almost kinder to yourself to have like zero expectations of selling everything anything I think and it's it's just that's rubbish it is rubbish because there's I can't think of any other jobs where you'd go into it like expecting to sell nothing but and yet with art it's like if you don't go in with like a kind of I've I've won just by being here and doing this. Like I've succeeded. Mm. If you don't have that mentality going forward, then you you do kind of set yourself up for potentially being disappointed. 
I think it's really hard as well because it's, as I said earlier, it's really personal. So when someone doesn't buy your art or someone doesn't like your art, it's akin mm. for me for someone saying, I don't really like your haircut. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's it's like, like, you're basically yeah, so vulnerable. You've you've got you've stripped yourself naked and you know, bared your soul, and then you've got to stand there. You know, you, you put your soul on the wall of of this gallery, and then and then you've got to stand there just... and watch people not exactly. buying it. Well, yeah, it's but I mean, I mean I think the other thing to keep in mind and that I always remind myself of is that it is quite difficult to buy art as well. So I like there's for me there's this magic trifecta that has to happen so you have to find someone that loves your work which is actually not that you know you're not gonna I don't love everyone else's work and you can't expect everyone to love yours you've got to they've got to have a space for it in their home or in their work or wherever it is that they're going to hang it so not especially if you're working big there's not always yeah doesn't always suit and then the other thing is is they've got to have the finances for it and it can be quite a big deal like I mean I know I always save every year or two years up to buy a small piece of work Mm. Um, and it always it, it feels like a lot and yet we feel so personally kind of affronted by someone not buying our work mm. and and it's not that people don't love it and it's not that it's not good and it's not that it's not you know like it's not that there people aren't, aren't out there going oh, I would love to buy that but you don't get a sticker or you know you don't get a red dot <laughs> Yeah, uh, they, they they should do a thing where they hand out like yellow stickers to people. <laughs> I'd like to buy it, but I don't have the finances. Just put right a now. little yellow smiley face. Yeah. If you'd really like, if you had the money, if would you like to buy it? And then at the end of your exhibition, maybe we should start this. Yeah, go look around. <laughs> I mean, and then like there would just be so many yellow smiley faces on the on the like thing. And then if you got a red dot as well, you'd be like, oh, great, I've sold that one. But look, I've got 27 smiley faces. <laughs> I'm taking it. It's too much like Instagram. Oh, God. <laughs> I hadn't even connected the dots there. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. No, that's, that's basically like Instagram. <laughs> and then you'd be like, oh, no, I only got three. That would make it worse. Actually, no, scrap that. It's <laughs> Someone would change the algorithm to how you get a yellow dot, and then we'd all yeah. be fucked. And then we'd be like, "How many did you get? Oh, you got twelve. And then you'd oh. be comparing your smiley faces <laughs> to someone else's smiley faces. And... Best to just no. That's a very sad. That's a stupid late night thought. It's nearly half past ten. Idea was really good for about two minutes. Had a really short lifespan. That thought. Oh dear. Okay, I think that just about sums it up for this week. We've both got things we need to get on with. So I will say thank you for listening. Thank you, Julie, for your time today and having a lovely chat with you. Um, If you would like to do us a favour, please um, take a screenshot, share it on your social media, tag us at FailLikeAnArtist, follow along on our Instagram at FailLikeAnArtist. And you can find me on Instagram as at PhoebeGanderArt and my website is PhoebeGander.com. Julie. And you can find me over at juliebattisti.com or at juliebattisti. And you can find both of us over at Fail Like an Artist on Instagram or Facebook. I'm just going to share a quote that I really love um, that I've thought about a little bit this week. So it's a quote from Frida Kahlo. And she said, I used to think I was the strangest person in the world, but then I thought there are so many people in the world. There must be someone just like me who feels bizarre and flawed in all the same ways I do. I would imagine her and imagine she would must be out there thinking of me too. Well, I hope that if you're out there and you read this and know that, yes, it's true, I'm here and I'm just as strange as you. We're all strange together here. The the flap gang. Oh, yeah. (laughs) All right. Okay. Thanks so much, Phoebe. Chat to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye, Julie. Bye. Bye. If a tree falls... (laughs) It'll probably fall during our podcast. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. No. What's the saying? If a tree, if a tree falls in a wood. If, the, if no one hears it, does it even If someone fall? claps does... in their forest. <laughs> if a duck quacks, there's no duck. Anyway, if we if we do a podcast without an interruption, is it even a podcast? Probably not. Probably not.
Not to cut that long pause. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Oh, I will. I will. <laughs> I'm joking. Love a bit of it. It was like, you look like you glitched. It was in 20. It's just my brain catching up with my thoughts. <laughs> my mouth catching up with my brain. <laughs> something. Yeah. Catching up with something. Yeah, something was catching sorry. up. I interrupted then. I was being silly. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.